Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Kittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, here we are again. Episode six, my brother, my brother Rick Tittle. It is Golasso Supremo, Golasso Supremo, Golasso, Golasso, Golasso. Nice. Andres Cantor would have liked that one. Always a nod to Andres Cantor as we get underway. Golasso Supremo back after a one-week hiatus or hiatus, depending on if you're from the East Coast. I've never heard hiatus. It's in Hyannis Port, they say Uh, hiatus. Not bad. Thank you. And they say Super Mario. We say Super Mario. Yeah. So Nevada, many different Nevada, Oregon, Oregon. Data, data, tomato, man, tomato. You man. can go on for you say virtually forever <laughs> as I snarf on myself here early. First snarf mm-hmm. of the day. Rick, two weeks of soccer to talk about. Where to begin? Well, we can begin with uh, the most recent results from the Champions League. The Champions! <laughs> Demeister! It's one of the most obnoxious theme songs of all time. That was, uh, it was an English composer who was, uh, um, what is the word? Defrocked? He was was (laughs) Debunked? He was not defrocked. He was, um, what's the word when you assign something to someone? He was uh, uh, challenged. I don't know what it is, but he was told, come up with. Tabbed. Okay, tabbed. He was like, come up with a theme. And so he has Le Grandes Equipe, the champions, De Besten, De Meister. There's no Spanish or Italian in there. No, there's it's not. It's just French, German, and English. Okay. But I love that. It's my ringtone. It's been my ringtone for years. I didn't know that. Yeah, call my phone. Not, I'd rather not right now because okay. we could. I mean, that would probably be bad, uh, bad podcast. Not bad radio. Okay. But uh, Champions League, first day, pretty dull, and the second leg, yeah. pretty exciting. But you know what? The fact that those games were nil-nil... That makes the next uh, phase of those it's just more mouth-watering. It is, but at some point when you do have the two-legged finals, or the in this case the round of 16, to have the first one be so dull, I think does a disservice to the overall popularity of the sport when you have two teams that basically know they're evenly matched and that they're playing for the subsequent 90-minute game anyway. No, that's true. Um, I remember I went to see USA-Russia at Stanford it was one of the most exciting games. Gene Harbour hit the post, nil-nil. There was a Clasico I saw one time, Barcelona-Real Madrid. It's one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. It was nil-nil. But yeah, when you know there's a second leg, that's a little bit different. Liverpool suddenly, offensively anyway, a little bit flat with a 0-0 draw against Bayern Munich. Lyon and Barcelona, that's a little bit more of a peculiar one considering where Barca is right now. But the first one first, liverpool Bayern. Is this a case where Liverpool is a side that maybe peaked too soon? Well, it also this is what happens when you play for an English Premier League team is that this is the type of the se- uh, the part of the season when everyone says, you know, the dog days have really hit, and they hit 
more than in any other country because of two domestic cups. And they hit in England especially because there is no Christmas break. They play extra games, actually. Boxing Day is a national holiday over there. I remember going over there and being Shrove Tuesday and Pancake Tuesday. They have all these holidays, bank holidays as they call them. Nice. But there's still soccer all the way through. And so they always say, oh, we need to rest like the other countries. And no, 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 we need more. I'm, I'm a guy that always wants more and more and more. So there'll be people who say, you know, you know, pick and choose. Do we want to go for it here? Do we want to go for it there? The thing about Liverpool is they have a chance to win the Premier League, which is much more important to them than winning the Champions League. But how do you not try and win the Champions League? And you're talking about Bayern Munich. I mean, these are two of the absolute monolith giants going out. They're on Mount Soccer more. And uh, so that's why I said it's going to be mouthwatering in the second leg. And the, the other one from uh, Tuesday's action, Lyon and Barcelona, nil-nil. This one's interesting probably just to see who advances to the quarterfinal, but neither of these teams expected to really be there at the end of the, of the whole thing. Probably not, but, you know, they're both two teams that you write off at uh, your peril, nice. obviously. I mean, Olympique de Lyonnais, you think about how fantastic they've been the last 20 years in France. Um, you know, whenever Arsene Wenger, who, by the way, playing Bate Borislav today in the uh, Europa Cup. I love that team. Bate, um, it stands for uh, Bratislav Auto Tractor Electronics. That is a pretty... Wow, quite yeah, an acronym. I know. But, uh, and, of course, Alexander Chleb, the former Arsenal man playing for them. You may want to get that looked at. Yeah. <laughs> you got I'm, something stuck in I'm your throat. A little bit for Chleb totally. Dr. Edelman. Arsenal with a 3-1 win over Bate uh, today. And Chelsea actually on the pitch right now taking on Malmo with a 2-1 lead on aggregate as we dip our toe yeah. into the uh, Europa pool. Malmo, by the way, the Yankees of Swedish soccer, it gave us a guy named Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you might remember. The manager of Malmo was Uwe Rossler, the legend at Manchester City when they stunk, and a former East German international. Incredible. The day-day era, the Deutsche Demokratische Republic. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Olympique de Lyonnais. Yes. Um, whenever, I was going to say, whenever Arsene Wenger would buy a guy, it always seemed he came from Lyon. As we talk Champions League, we look at Manchester City in the action from yesterday and quite an impressive performance by Schalke, but coming up just a wee bit short, 3-2 Man City doing it big and it's feeling more and more like they should be and are the front runners now in the Premier League as well as being a real threat in the Champions League. Well, and Sterling late, 10 men, I mean, really to save them. Um, it's funny, I believe... The announcer said, it's not often you see Aguero get subbed. I think he's been subbed 17 times this year. It's just you don't think about him being subbed, and he's usually getting subbed when there's a big lead. But that's a huge thing for them. Schalke, I've been to their stadium. I saw a World Cup game there, and Gels and Kirken, they have the all-time heartbreak, I think, in the history of sports when, what was that, the 2001 Bundesliga at the end of the season. This was in their old stadium. You can still see it on YouTube. They think they've won. They have celebrations. And then a late Anderson goal for Bayern Munich against Hamburg in injury time meant that Schalke was... They're, they're having celebrations. We won, we won, we won. And then, no, you didn't win the championship. That's crushing. And McKinney uh, got on the pitch again as well. Now that um, a defensive midfielder, a kid out of uh, Texas, um, did spend some time growing up in Germany. But this is a guy who, uh, now that Pulisic is leaving the Bundesliga, this will be the American face, both 20 years old, the American face of the Bundesliga next year. Tremendous. And the other round of uh, 16 matchup, Atletico Madrid 2-0 over Juve. And uh, the big headline from this, 
Cristiano Ronaldo showing his five fingers to the fans on his way out to remind them that he has five Champions League title. Atleti has nil, but right now, Atletico Madrid with the big leg up in this tie. Well, it's funny because Cristiano Ronaldo was the man of the match, too. You wouldn't think that he would be when his team lost. But that's he stole that. It's a Portuguese thing, I guess, because Mourinho with the three at Stamford Bridge. I won three here. Yeah. I won three. Um, I've always rooted for Atleti because they're the working man's team in Madrid. The Madrileños. Those are the ones that, uh, you know, I think about all the great players that come through there. And then now they're a powerhouse as well. But, um, I mean, Juventus kicked out of the league for cheating. I think about Paolo Rossi kicked out of soccer for two years for cheating. And then he's the leading scorer at the World Cup in 82. I'd also think it's funny. They used to play at the Estadio della Alpi, and they were called La Vecchia Signora, the old lady. But their team means the youngsters. Oh. So they're the youngsters, but they're also the old lady. Um, you ha- Not many people outside of Turin are huge Juventus fans, unless, you know, you just like wearing black and white stripes, which, by the way, they got from Knotts County, by the way, not Newcastle. Impressive. Yes. Um, but I like that result, honestly. So in the, the second leg, the return leg, back in Italy, you still like Atletico Madrid and their overall quality. Going to Diego Costa in that one, a former Premier League cast-off who played a big role in the victory. Um, I, I don't think that's a done deal. I think Juve is so solid. <laughs> you think about the being the best team in Italy the last couple of years. I, I still think Atletico has um, some work to do. It is Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. Golasso Supremo, another edition of the Great Soccer Podcast from San Francisco, part of the Radio.com platform of radio stations, sports talk, and certainly podcasts as well. Story time coming up in a few minutes. I know you have one to share, and I'd like to share my soccer heartbreak with the audience. Sure. As a As a head coach of a U8 juggernaut some years ago, but I understand the soccer world lost one of one of its great ones this week, Rick. Yeah, Gordon Banks. Um, people, I mean, FIFA came up with a list of the greatest players of all time. Lev Yashin was the greatest goalie of all time from the Soviet Union. He was the guy that came out of the box. He was the guy that would cut down the angle. He was the guy that run out and catch, uh, catch crosses outside the 18-yard line. He's sort of regarded as the first uh, most innovative, greatest keeper. But second of all time is Gordon Banks, um, a guy who uh, won a World Cup with England in 66 and then four years later made what is still known as the greatest save of all time off of Pelé. And the 1970 Brazil team is still regarded as the greatest team of all time. So you make a save against the greatest team and the greatest player of all time, pushing it off the post there in uh, Mexico, an England legend and the only England goalkeeper to lift. Back then it was the Jules Rimet trophy, but the World Cup. So soccer loses one of its great ones, Gordon Banks. May he rest in peace. Newport County Houses? Yes. The the Rodney Parade? This is what I wanted to mention, too, is that... I have notes here that you sent me, so I'm (laughs) just trying to pick through it. And as I told you in the the pre-show or the Mm pre-pod, most of this stuff might as well be written in another language because I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, Newport County is a... uh, They've made some noise the last couple years in the FA Cup. They they gave Tottenham a little bit of a scare and giving uh, Man City a little bit of a scare as well. But to see that game at Rodney Parade, which is the name of their ground, and one of the things I love about it is every once in a while you can see a house that gets a a looky-loo into the stadium. They have a whole row of houses with bedroom windows that look directly into Rodney Parade. And it reminds me of when I went to see Watford 
at Vicarage Road, which is in uh, North West London. When I entered the stadium, I went through someone's backyard, or as they say, garden. You literally go up these stairs, and as you walk in, you're walking through someone's backyard to get into a stadium, wow. which I think is fantastic. It's like a Wrigley Field, except even more like that. Even closer in proximity than Cal's Memorial Stadium, where you can literally walk out of some of those buildings or some of those houses that are right there, and you can be within 10 or so feet of the gate. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think Lee Steinberg lives up there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he peers down in upon Vicarage his, Road, his or? alma mater. Uh, I think up on uh, Centennial or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Strawberry Canyon. As we're talking about cups, and that's when you went to Vicarage Road to see Watford, your... Beloved English Cups are again getting in the way of my precious Premier League as the Derby. <laughs> Manchester United and Manchester City, we don't yet know when that big matchup, that all-important title-determining matchup will be held because the old FA Cup quarterfinal. Manchester United pairing off with Wolverhampton and that fixture being put in the first week of April is now upsetting the apple cart of the Premier League. What are we to do with this latest bit of news, Rick. Well, they'll still play that fixture. They'll just play it on a couple of days less rest. I'm sure they'll throw it in on a Wednesday night somewhere. I love, love, love both those cups. We've already kind of gone head to head on that. I know you're not a big fan, but if the, you had to choose one of the two, FA well, or the Carabao. FA Cup is the oldest, uh, or the, um, the Carabao. Oh, the League Cup. Yeah, the League Cup. Yes. Um, well, the, the FA Cup is the oldest cup in the world, so obviously that that's the biggie. But the League Cup is is a hair behind. It's not like March Madness and NIT. It's really not? No. It is. It feels that way to me. I know, but I'm telling you it's not. But as I said, this is where there's this chasm. You're sitting at the board, and I'm way over here five feet away. But it could be the Grand Canyon on that. But you're higher in profile, so your opinion has no. a little bit more weight <laughs> no, in no. real time. No, it does not. I have the lower chair, so it I'm does. feeling subservient. Because <laughs> well, we take people inside the pod. If you want to go by on aesthetics, yes. But uh, I am sitting a little bit higher. But that doesn't mean my opinion is worth more than yours, Dan. Yeah, the Premier League has had discussions with both clubs, and they're hoping to hold it. Now, either April 2nd or April 3rd, it was set for March 16th, which would have been a perfect time, right? The eve of St. Patrick's Day, which is a good old-fashioned drinking holiday. I'll be Irish that day. We all are. and oh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm Irish every day. But sure. Especially that day. I've actually spent a couple of Paddy's Days in Dublin, Ireland, which are among my, my favorite overseas memories. The biggest city in the world every day. It's Dublin. By the way, I had, I had two Irish comedians on my show the other day. And they, Did they run that material, or were they slightly funnier? They chuckled a bit, <laughs> but they both get so mad at us Americans because we say St. Patty's Day is with two T's, and he said that is a girl's name. It's with two D's. He goes, what if I said we're taking off Martina Luther King Jr.'s holiday? And I go, yeah, that would get you into a spot of bother if you said that. A yeah. spot of bother, yes. and then some. <laughs> uh, as we sit, Premier League table, we take a quick look in Manchester City, and Liverpool level on points at 65, but Liverpool with a game in hand. Form-wise, it's been Manchester City, winners of four of its previous five. Liverpool unbeaten, but with two draws in there, including a somewhat controversial draw against Leicester City and also against West Ham United. Do you see Liverpool as a team perhaps leaking oil? Is Man City just playing better? How do you characterize and, and really assess this race right now? Well, I mean, Man City has the confidence, the pedigree. They know what it takes. They're not panicking. If Liverpool panics, then I think something 
haywire could go wrong. But as I stated a couple of weeks ago, uh, I still think this is Liverpool's season to blow. They 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 have a very good team on their heels. I don't think my um, Tottenham has any chance. Uh, but I mean, it, yeah. I mean, listen, we have a lot of games left. We have a ways to go. And as I said, both those teams are still in Europe. So something crazy might happen, but I still think Liverpool will pull it out. Tottenham Hotspur getting some good news. It appears that Harry Kane closer to his return than previously thought. In fact, it may be as soon as this weekend. I know Yoon Min Son has been great, and uh, Christian Eriksen has played terrific, and they really haven't suffered too much without him. But how excited are you as a Spursy man, a Spurs supporter, to maybe get Harry Kane back before the expected March date. It'd be great if he played Sunday against Burnley. That'd be fantastic. Yes, Sonny has come back. Four games, four goals, a goal in each game. Christian Eriksen, by the way, no one has more assists in the league since he started in the Premier League in 2013. This is the thing you might not know. No one has more goals scored outside the box in the Premier League than Christian Eriksen in the last six years. Wow. This is why Real Madrid is saying, you take Bale, we'll take Eriksen. Speaking of Christian Bale, it's funny you mentioned that because it leads us right to what I think is the more, maybe the most peculiar story of the week, and that is Gareth Bale not wanting to dine with his Real Madrid teammates. Apparently, Gareth Bale, Toni Kroos, the great German midfielder, both said thanks but no thanks to the traditional Spanish dinner, Rick. What do you make of this story? Do you think it's much ado about nothing? Because, as you know, the Spanish like to eat very late, and if your bedtime is... A certain time like mine is, maybe you don't want to be sticking around to go out to some late dinner. Well, the Spanish have it right, by the way, and that is they go home at noon, they hang out with their families, they eat. Maybe they'll go back to work. Maybe they won't. You know, There's the, always a nap in there, too. It's the siesta, yeah, because Americans, all we don't see our family and friends. We see, work, we see people we work with, and then we die. That's basically the plan here. Wow. So... <laughs> Not to be harsh. No, that was really pretty real, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, we work our then we work five years to get a week off, and we work ten years to get two weeks off. It's it's really stupid. Uh, but listen, I, I was I don't know what the true story is there. The funny thing is, when Gareth Bale was bought from Southampton, his roommate, by the way, with the Saints was Theo Wolcott, by the way, um, snatched him out of Man United's hands. And Harry Redknapp used to say on the training pitch when Bale went down, "Don't help him up." Let him cry. And he, and he kept saying, you spend more time on your hair than you do the game. But this was a guy playing out of position. He was a left back. And for a good, what was it, 25 matches, every time Gareth Bell played, Tottenham didn't win. It wasn't possible. And then they finally said, what if we put this fast kid out on the wing? And then he was a Champions League revelation. And he's, the most, uh, you know, he's won two Champions Leagues with goals. And he's one of the most expensive soccer players in the world. And he's developed into quite a player, yet uh, the Welsh have not been able to channel his excellence and really really make that happen in, in the Euros or on the international stage. It's like just the Euros that one time, but no World Cups. You think about Ryan Giggs. You know, Ryan Giggs, when he was a kid, was Ryan Wilson. He, was, he played for England schoolboys. But he didn't want his adopted dad's name. He wanted his real dad's name, who was Welsh. He switched back to Giggs. He represented Wales. But that meant guys like him and Ian Rush – Gareth Bale, that you were never going to play in a World Cup. It's Rick Tittle, Dan Dibley. It's Golasso Supremo, our sixth episode as we continue to stack podcasts upon each other. And this week's pod likely tweeted out with a picture of Rick and I from yeah. so many years ago. It really could be 20 years ago because Rick looks exactly the same. <laughs> I look slightly different uh, with less hair now and a little bit more paunch, but that's neither here nor there. In the picture, it made me smile because I'm wearing a Fireballs t-shirt 
which is from my old under eight team of the same name, the Fireballs. It's from January of uh, 2014. That was at our uh, Gridiron Gala. You and I took a picture, and I gave it to Carl, and I said, throw this out here. I think Dibs will get a kick out of it. And tell us more about your U8s. Well, it was January of 14, so that must have been maybe three years old, the T-shirt, because my son at that time would have been about 12, and yeah, U8s, he would have been eight years old, and I was coaching in Montclair, Montclair Soccer Club. Oh, fancy. And it's not really that fancy nor is it really that competitive. You know, it's just a house league. By by under 10s, all the best kids are already on to travel soccer and, and maybe Olympic development, etc. But at this level, there still is some element of competition. So as the coach of the Fireballs, I was out there to let every kid play. But you also wanted to win certain matchups, especially because as a guy on the radio, a lot of the other coaches knew me from my on-air work, and thus were maybe a little bit more motivated to beat me, mm. lest I talk about it on the radio and clown them. Sure. Well, the Fireballs, we were a pretty good side. But there was the one team that no one had beaten, the Silver Tigers. Ooh. And we're playing them, I and in typical kid soccer fashion, you're playing four 10-minute quarters. Wow. You're playing quarters. Not, not halves, but quarters. So first quarter goes by, we're up one nothing. Second quarter goes by, we're still up one nothing. After three, we're up 2-1. And at this point, I pulled the kids aside and I said, look, you know, kids, normally we, we make sure we play everyone even mounts, but you four, including my own son, you guys go ahead and play with the daisies. We're going with the squad. <laughs> so I put the squad out there uh-huh. and immediately the coach of the Silver Tigers puts his squad out there, replete with like five future high school select soccer players, and they proceeded to rip off three unanswered, Ooh. beat us 4-2, and it was just a heartbreak. As I watched helplessly my goalie get pilloried from the outside. I love pilloried. And the, Thank the you. fact is that three years later, you were still wearing the shirt. First of all, that means you're a guy. We don't throw away our clothes. No. Secondly, that means you still had great pride in that team. And thirdly, now 12 years later, I still remember virtually every detail wow. of the game and how I felt and how, quite frankly, disinterested my own son was at the result. Wow. And you're a coach now, a uh, different sport. Though, yep, right? boys volleyball, Bishop O'Down. So that's been fun to get back into coaching. But uh, that's my, my big Very story. Very cool. Okay, story time. I, I said, uh, was it a fortnight or three weeks ago, that I would tell the story about a tout. Now, that's what they call scalpers over there. And in America, like my, you know, growing up, going to the Coliseum, and it, it wouldn't matter if it was the circus or <laughs> Ringling Brothers Disney on ice, Globetrotters, whatever it was, there was always going to be a scalper there. And it would, you know, you would kind of like, uh, I don't know, barter with them to so, you know, like, I got two on the 50, you'll get, no, no, no. And then you get, and then you like, you know, and then the cops are like, whatever. Well, uh, when I was in uh, England, this was when I was writing for European Soccer Weekly, so I went to England a lot. And I remember I went to see Tottenham in like four matches, like three on the road. And I remember one day I woke up and they were playing Sunderland at White Hart Lane. And I heard thinking, ah, I don't need to go to that one. You know, I was in Hart, I was in Hertfordshire, actually. I was in Harpenden, which was kind of my home. It's about an hour north of London. I thought, ah, I can miss that one. And then after I had breakfast, I'm like, what are you, nuts? You're in London, and you're going to skip it? Right. Going, what an idiot. Now, I had a season ticket, or at least access to one as a member, and I had already passed it up. So I thought, I don't have a ticket. And then my friend's like, there's a dirty bomb threat, a dirty bomb. I'm like, I'm not afraid of a dirty bomb. <laughs> so I got on the Thameslink. I went down. I didn't have a ticket. 
And I'm walking around, and I'm thinking, where is a scalper? Where is a scalper? I don't know where they are. In America, you know where the scalpers are. Take us, take us. Who needs so this one guy was on the side, and he was, like, shaking nervous. And he's like, does anyone need a ticket? Does anyone need a ticket? And I said, yeah, what do you got? And he's like, walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. And I go, okay. And he's like, I have one here, 20 quid, 20 quid. <laughs> and so I brought it out, and he's like, do you have – I said, do you want it or not? Take it. And he's like, cheers. And he takes it, and he runs away. Like this was like the biggest – it wasn't even a drug deal. It was like nuclear fission. Like he had plutonium and he was trying to sell it in Red Square. He was so petrified. But then I got scared because I'm wearing all this Tottenham regalia. And as you know, in England, they uh, sequester you. Or I should say they segregate you. Right. right? And I, I start to walk in with all the Sunderland fans. And I'm like, oh, no, did I just buy? I didn't look. Did I just buy a ticket with the Sunderland fans wearing this? Yeah. And Sunderland's almost way up in Scotland. So these uh, fans, as we walk in, whew, I'm in the end zone, but I'm right on the chain link fence that separates us. And I'll never forget, as Tottenham won 2-1, Jermaine Defoe with the winning goal, that this one fan turned and was yelling, F off, F off, finger, finger. And he was about 300 pounds, and his face turned beet red, screaming, and a guy next to me, a Tottenham fan, said to him, you've come a long way just to lose, haven't you? <laughs> yes. That's incredible. That's a little dig, haven't you? Yes. And mm-hmm. imagine if you were on the other side of the chain link fence. Did you have a sweatshirt to put over? Or, I mean, <laughs> no, you're I, fighting your way out after that. Do you know what? Plan. I would have I played the dumb American. I would have said, hey, is this a soccer match? Yeah, totally. How do they hit a home run? <laughs> I would have done that. Then they would have said, okay, he's an idiot. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a great story. And you mentioned the Thames Link. Is that a boat, I should assume? Uh, the Thames Link is a, um, it's a train that goes straight up King's Cross, St. Pancras, stadium and it goes through kentish town all the way through hertfordshire into bedfordshire it's like a commuter train it's not part of the tube but it's a commuter train that kind of goes straight north out of london rick tittle dan dibley golasso supremo number six here as we continue to roll on i want to get uh, your thoughts on ed foster Simeon and the u.s soccer federation or the foundation there's a foundation there's a federation they're at odds that's coming up here in mere moments. But I wanted to ask you about this week in the Premier League, mm-hmm. some of the matchups we have. It's a bit of an odd one. We only have nine matches up on the big board. No Chelsea, no Everton. My fantasy lineup had to be juggled accordingly. But <laughs> what do you see, Rick, this week from the Premier League? Any of these matchups really stand out at you? Of course, we've got the big one on Sunday, Man U and Liverpool at Old Trafford, Arsenal taking on Southampton. In the early game Sunday, quite a good doubleheader on Sunday, but otherwise, somewhat of a lackluster. Well, the great thing about the Prem is there are no soft touches, as we know. Um, this isn't like, you know, a one seed playing a 16 seed in, in the tournament or something. Um, playing Burnley, I think about the in-betweeners, the great show, uh, and uh, when Will gets on the bus and all the Burnley fans are screaming, and he said, you know what, I'm a football fan, I love football, but Burnley can F off. So that's what I always think of. <laughs> Spurs when at Burnley yes. this Saturday. Yes. And um, listen, there's if you, you take any team lightly and you will get burned. That No one blows out teams unless you get the odd cup matchup, which I know turns you a bit uh, peckish, I guess, when you Just see. Just give me one cup. Two cups is unnecessary. <laughs> when you play baseball, 
and you wear a cup because you're playing catch. And it runneth over. Do you wear one cup or do you wear two cups? All right. I don't know if that's an analogy, but... I went with it, so you yeah, can answer okay. the question. Yeah, well, you know, you wear one. If you wear two cups, it's yeah, called a bra. I, that is <laughs> the man's ear. That yes. would be not bad. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was talking with Ed Foster Simeon uh, yesterday. He is the CEO and president of the United States Soccer Foundation, which forever was directly linked with our United States Soccer Federation through all the commissioners of Peter Uberos, and they are the grassroots level. They're the ones that raise money, and especially for kids in inner cities and for uh, kids in underserved communities to get the ball rolling in more ways than one. Well, with the new election of Carlos Cordero as president, here I was having Winalda on my show campaigning for him, how naive I was. Carlos Cordero, the right-hand man to Sunil Gulati as president, a guy by whose own admission said he hadn't watched soccer until he was 50 years old. Oh, man. They kick out the federation, the foundation. They say, stop using our logos. We want nothing to do with you anymore. So there's litigation now to, and, and as uh, Foster Simeon was telling me, who I think is a great man, he's, a, he's an African-American man who's trying to introduce soccer to African-American communities and others, that he's just saying that he just wants to get it back to where they were, and he doesn't understand when they go out of their way to spread the religion of soccer that now the Federation wants nothing to do with them. And I do think it's ridiculous, and I am anti-Carlos Cordero, and I hope that they work it out. It's a complete control system, and it always has been with U.S. soccer. And even when Sanul Galati was running it and his predecessor, it's never seemed to be about finding the most quality soccer players and putting out the most quality soccer product. You look at the MLS and what they're proposing potentially to do, joining up with the Mexican First Division in, in some fashion, more teams in the U.S. than any other pro league across the globe. It's basically largely a cash grab. The only FIFA-recognized league without promotion and relegation is MLS. And then you think back to the days, remember Kyle Rowe Jr. saying, this is why we missed out on World Cups for 40 years from 50 to 90. He got capped. And he said, great, because you can play for the United States national team. We're playing Mexico. They put it in the L.A. Coliseum because they wanted to sell tickets, even though it would be a home game for Mexico. And then they said, if you want to go, you got to buy your own plane ticket. So it's a little bit better than that, but <laughs> not much. Still an uphill battle, yeah. to be certain. Uh, Cardiff and Watford on Friday. We have a special Friday start I like to it. the Prem. Cardiff, one point free of the relegation zone. Watford, one of those teams that has played pretty well this year. Not quite up to the level where they'll make it to Europa, but a solid team to be uh, retained. West Ham taking on Fulham. Fulham, a team desperate for three points as they sit in the relegation zone. And if you're Huddersfield right now at Newcastle, you're down. You're already yeah, pretty ma- pretty much making plans. You sit with 11 points. You're 14 away from the safe zone. At this point, you, you are pretty much thinking about mailing it in. But if you're Newcastle, only one point free of the zone. This is almost a must-win. Newcastle, they are a yo-yo team. It's funny how Mike Ashley is still in charge after all these years. Uh, and, and, and it's too bad. I mean, you think about yo-yo teams like, like West Ham. I, I think a lot of Americans have a soft spot in their heart for Newcastle for one way or the other. I don't know if it's the Toon Army or the Magpies or the Geordie accent or whatever it is. I've met more Newcastle fans that are American-born I don't know if it's the prison stripes, the ref stripes, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, West Ham fans, you're a West Ham fan because you're in the East End. 
You won't meet a West Ham fan, I think, that was born in America unless you have a screw loose. Maybe the most hateful person in the Premier League is their captain, Mark Noble. Just a ornery little sniveling <laughs> S-word. Tell us how you really feel, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah. Rick. laughs> Don't mince your words, mate. I went, One time, and I got nothing against the East End, but one time I was in the Tube and I actually, they stopped... There was a some kind of thing where we had to walk to the next stop, and I could actually hear the Bow Bells that day. <laughs> I almost wanted to say, "He's got a blue and salsa, fuck Iceland, aye. I'll say you that, aye, aye. Pretty rough in the East End is what you're saying. A little bit, yeah. A little rough. The Isle of Dogs. That's uh, in the East End. Yes. And Canary Wharf, of course, the biggest skyscraper there. Well, maybe the Shard is bigger. And back, by the way, I just sharded in this chair. That's really good, really good. We should probably Wrap put, it a, up. put a bow on it right there. <laughs> if you're going to uh, Shard and we're in the East End... It's probably time to uh, to pull the plug on this one. Ah. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.